And good morning. Good morning. morning. That was decent. Good morning. Good morning. There we go. Thank you. Thank you guys. Um, I just like to know we're there. Um, But so excited to be here with you guys this morning and so excited to be in the Word. It's Mark 10. If you got your Bible, you can go ahead and go there. Um, Thank you. Yeah, it's good. Somebody likes Mark. It's only John, though. Um, It's weird. Uh, Man, so excited to be here this morning. So excited to be in this Word and to to just hear from God. Um, I'm going to pray in just a moment. Um, Again, I know we pray a lot around here, but we just are very aware that what we're made out of is not anything amazing. We're just flesh and bones up here, just like everybody else that's ever been birthed on this planet. And there's no power in us or ability in us. And if God doesn't show up this morning, nothing changes for anybody. Um, But this morning, I believe in a God who's powerful enough to make everything different for us in these next few minutes, that there is a God who loves us and who's a personal God and who, who wants for us today to hear from him and and I want for us today to hear from him and this morning I was just thinking it's so weird um do you ever feel like Sundays are just the like the craziest days there's like the most stuff to be frustrated about ever between the time you wake up on Sunday morning to the time you like pop in here and maybe it just doesn't even end there it's just like frustration on Sunday and as I was thinking about just things this morning um What God said to me is today you can either be distracted from me or distracted by me, but you can't be both. Um, You you can't be both today. And and what I want today is to just be so distracted by God, nothing else really matters. There's going to be stuff maybe that doesn't go how we planned this morning. Welcome to the world. Um, But man, it shouldn't cause us to miss everything he is and everything he's doing. So. I don't want to be distracted um, from God this morning, so I just want to just lean into this moment and just pray again. And maybe you pray for you, or you can pray for me, you can pray for lunch, whatever you want to do right now. Um, But I'm going to pray. Um, Father God, this morning, we just want to hear from you. I just want to hear from you. Um, God, I'm so inadequate um, to bring your word, and I'm so not capable of um, doing really anything in these next few moments. But God, I know that you are. And God, this morning, if you're going to do anything in me, I can't be distracted by everything else. So I'm not praying today, God, that you help me to do the thing better. I'm praying, God, that you give me ears to hear and eyes to see and a heart to know. So God, this morning for me, I'm praying I want to receive from you. I want to be so distracted by you. Maybe it's just me and you in the room today. And, and you're all that I'll see and all that I'll hear from. And um, God, that's more than enough. Um, so God, this morning, um, just move. <clears throat> pour out your spirit, um, God, in an undeniable way. Um, God, I read this week how, um, God, it says in your word that, that uh, speaking about you, there's a possibility that even unbelievers would fall to their face and say, man, look at this, God. And then this morning, God, I'm just praying that um, not only will that happen for any unbelievers in the house this morning, but for me this morning. God, I would fall on my face and say, man, look at this God. Look at this God. God, captivate me. Um, be the centerpiece this morning. God, you're all we want to see. You're all I want to see. I love you, Lord. Thank you. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Um, and this morning, like I said, probably five times by now, but we're going to be in Mark 10, so if you have your Bible, you can go there. I just like to say it a bunch to give you a minute to get there, and because I repeat myself, it just is what I do, it's fine. Um, 
But this morning, we're going to continue talking about a series that we started a couple weeks ago called Look Up. And um, yeah, thank you. Uh, it was awesome. Those two people. I'm really enjoying it <laughs> with you two guys. So it was good. Um, but man, just so I've been so excited about this series. And um, I'll be honest, um, I think this is the last week. I say that, and sometimes it's not, but I think it is. And um, just so excited about this being the message this morning that God's chosen to wrap this up with. Um, I think we started kind of on a path of um, getting out of horizontal thinking, and what I mean by that is just we, because we live down here, are so distracted by stuff down here, right? Like we want to focus on our job or our bank account, or we want to focus on relationships or people or what's going right and what's going wrong, and we kind of always looking at what's around us, but as people that know Jesus, um, for those of us that do, God has called us to resurrected thinking or vertical thinking, that we have this ability to look beyond what's around us and to look up into the heavens and to focus on Jesus, and it'd be great if we all did that, right? But unfortunately, we have the opportunity to have resurrected thinking, but most of us don't really do that. We still focus on everything around here, and I really just feel like God's calling me and maybe some of you guys to quit focusing so much on things down here and to look up at him and let him take care of the things around us. And that's kind of where the series started off. And then I think three weeks ago now, it took this turn for me that I didn't really anticipate. Um, as we looked in, I think it was Matthew chapter 6, um, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he, he said um, to these people, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust will destroy or thieves will break in and steal. But instead, right, there's another option. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And man, it hit me uh, like a ton of bricks in that moment. Um, What Jesus is inviting us to do and still today inviting us to do is to put down the temporary and to take up the eternal. That today we don't have to focus on things that are disappearing around us, right? Anybody that's ever have money, you figure out money doesn't stick around long, right? You might have stuff then, and then stuff breaks, and it's just kind of this vicious cycle. Um, and it's temporary. And even if it's not, right, everything we see is temporary. And, and even if it wasn't, we're temporary, right? It'd be nice if you could see where your expiration date was, but unfortunately you can't. But we have one. And even if we had the most money and the most stuff and the most power and the most popularity, even if we had the biggest name, uh, we're still going to die. And we can't take any of that stuff with us. And Jesus in that moment points out the very temporary nature of the things we wrap our lives around. And then he offers us to wrap our lives around something that doesn't have an expiration date. He says, come and treasure the treasure of heaven which is Jesus, that we can wrap our lives around something today that's not going to end when we end or when it ends, because it doesn't end. Um, and, and as we were talking about that, this, this definition that's kind of burned into my head now popped up, and that's treasure. Do we have the definition for treasure back there? Treasure, it's little, so I'm going to try to zoom in with my eyeballs, is a, a um, quantity of precious metals, gems, right? We know that stuff, like gold and uh, diamonds will go with that. Or, here's the amazing thing, other valuable objects that treasure today doesn't just have to be money, right? Some of you don't have money, but you have treasure. Some of you are like me. You don't have any money, but you got stuff. Um, 
People can be treasure. Family can be treasure. Uh, Treasure is anything actually you keep carefully, a valuable or valued item. And then it says the synonyms are that you cherish it, you hold it dear, that you prize it, that you value it greatly. And there was more, but it was small already, so we didn't do that. But I started thinking about treasure, and, and really treasure for me is anything that you wrap your life around, right? What's most valuable to you is the thing that you spend the most time with or on, what you protect the most, what you, what you focus on the most. And what Jesus says in, in Matthew 6 is that I can be that for you. It was so weird. Um, I grew up in church. If we did like a poll today, who grew up in church? Probably most of you. Um, and I grew up in like there was pews. If you don't know what those are, I, I'll get Google out later and show you. It's this awesome invention. Um, it's like a bench that's really uncomfortable, um, but decorative. Um, <laughs> and you sat on it, and I was in one of those, and I and I heard the gospel probably more times than I could count, and I heard all the Jesus stuff, but um, at 11 years old, I got church words saved, and it's just where you give your life to Jesus, that breath we talked about, you just, you can have it back, I'm going to do what you want me to do, instead of what I want to do, and um, I'll be honest, what changed for me that day was my destination, I wasn't going to go to hell anymore, I was going to go to heaven, but this wasn't even in the vocabulary, I'd never heard this. Grew up in church and never heard you can treasure Jesus. You can wrap your life around Jesus. And maybe it was there, but it never made sense to me. You could value Jesus. You could have a relationship with Jesus. And I'll be honest, it jacked me up. Because for the next 10 years, what I thought all of Christianity was, is I'm going to come and I'm going to sit in a building. I'm going to hear somebody talk about Jesus for a while. We're going to sing some songs, that some of which I like and some of which I don't. And some people are going to be excited about it, and I'm not going to be um, because I'd rather be doing something else. And that was me for like 10 years. And then I went to church camp, and um, I don't know if you've ever been to church camp, but it's weird because they get a bunch of people from different churches in a room together, and you see stuff that you don't normally see. And, and they were singing this song, I think it was like in Christ Alone or something, it doesn't really matter, the song is just a song that some guy wrote. Um, but I saw people like crying in response to the song. And for the first time, it was people that were my age. I'd seen older people cry about Jesus, right? And I'd excuse that in my brain. I'm, I'll tell you, it's mean, I'll tell you later um, if you really want to know. But I'd excuse that in my brain to maybe as you get older, you just, you just are more excited, right? I tone that down. Um, um, <laughs> It's my brain, sorry. Um, and for the first time, I saw people my age like crying, and I'm like, something's wrong with me because I don't feel this way. And what, what I was seeing was people who had something that I didn't have, and I didn't know what it was, and it bothered me. Um, and I just want to say to you today, if you don't get anything else, like if you tune out here, um, there's more to this than you think there is, and I don't care who you are. I don't care where you are. Maybe you are the I cry when I sing worship songs. There's more. 
Um, there is a depth to this Jesus thing that most of us, none of us have ever experienced in full. And, and I don't want to say to you today, you don't have to wait till you get old. If you're on the front two rows, you don't have to wait till you get old um, to love and to want and to value Jesus. You don't have to wait for that. Today you can. Um, and, and then we, I don't even know where this verse like came from when I, I heard it and Anyway, it worked its way into the story the past few weeks, and it's um, from Job. I looked it up, 22, I think, and it's like verse 24 and 25. And um, the verse is, if you'll lay your gold in the dust, then God will become your gold. Just transfer the word gold to treasure, right? Because it doesn't have to be money. If you'll lay your treasure in the dust, then God will become what you treasure. And the reason most of us don't treasure God is because we've treasured something else or we're treasuring something else. And God's given us this invitation today in the past few weeks, and I think he's going to do it again this morning, to, to lay down this temporary treasure and to take up eternal treasure, to, to, to cast aside or to put away the temporary and to take up the eternal to come and treasure the treasure of heaven and and if we could just make that verse um, like maybe the motto of our heart today if you'll lay your gold in the dust and God will become your gold um, and this morning in Mark 10 uh, I think we see a great example of where Jesus himself actually gives somebody this invitation to lay your gold down and to take up better gold. Um, Mark 10 kind of starts out, it's the story of Jesus, it's the gospel, so it's all what Jesus is doing, but it starts out where Jesus is set out from there, right? Where is there? There is Capernaum, which is a city kind of on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee and a region of northern Israel called Galilee and Jesus is set out from there in the beginning of chapter 10 and he's going to or he went to the region of Judea which is the southern area of Israel and the cool thing is is Israel set up kind of like Tennessee it just kind of flipped up on its side you've got northern Israel which is Galilee that'd be like east Tennessee for us right and then you got Samaria which is middle Tennessee we don't want to go there uh, they didn't want to go there and then um if you're from there, I love you. Jesus bless you today. And then we got uh, what we would think of as West Tennessee, which is um, Judea down at the bottom. So it's three regions. We can relate spiritually to that today. And uh, Jesus was leaving East Tennessee. I don't know why you want to do that. He's leaving Galilee, and he's traveling to what we would know as West Tennessee or, uh, or Judea. And he's just going to skip uh, Middle Tennessee because he's smart. And no, I'm just kidding. He's going to skip Middle Tennessee or Samaria, because that's what the Jewish people did most of the time. Samaria wasn't really the favorite place of the Jews. So what they would do is they would uh, leave Galilee and they would cross over the Jordan River, which is kind of a river that happened to be the eastern barrier of Israel. And they would cross over into another actually land and they would travel down the Jordan, skip Samaria completely most of the time. And then they would come back across the Jordan over into Judea. And, and Jesus is on this journey. He's making this journey. And um, that's what we see happening in 10. And when he crosses back over the Jordan, it doesn't tell us a town because doesn't really matter, doesn't change the story any, but he crosses back over the Jordan, and when he does that, he's met with a, a large crowd. Every time Jesus is around, there's a large crowd wanting to hear Jesus teach, because contrary to popular belief, Jesus is a pretty popular guy. 
If you want a large crowd, then talk about Jesus and let Jesus show up. If you don't, talk about what kind of shoes people should wear, and uh, that'll that'll change things for you. But um, anyway, Jesus is there, and there's a large crowd there, and Jesus does what Jesus always does when there's a large group of people. He sits down to teach. Um, So he sat down, and all that day he dealt with questions of divorce. There was reasons for that that don't matter to today's story. And then uh, he dealt with, uh, or he was brought uh, little children over and over again to hang out with Jesus, and and he was cool with that. And then as the day progressed, Jesus probably was getting tired because he was 100% man and 100% God. And um, he was kind of winding down the day, and that's where he stepped in to the story of verse 17. And it says in 17, it's a story maybe you've heard before, uh, there's a rich young ruler involved, that Jesus was setting out on a journey as he was setting out on a journey. He, he'd he been teaching all day. This was a pit stop on, on where he was going. It doesn't list the town because it wasn't the destination. When Jesus left Galilee, he wasn't going to this little town Across the Jordan, he was actually headed to Jerusalem, which is the next town that's mentioned, and it's headed towards Jerusalem for the last time. Uh, if you know anything about um, Mark, the abbreviated gospel, the gospel for people who don't like to read, um, and when you get to 10, you're getting pretty close to the end. So anyway, um, Jesus is on a journey, and that journey that he's on is to Jerusalem and ultimately the cross, and Jesus knew that. And um, He was setting out on this journey, and it says a man ran up. Probably, I would suggest to you today, a man who's listened to Jesus all day long, who's heard about Jesus. Maybe Jesus has been through this town before. He's heard the stories of how Jesus can heal people, how Jesus can say to people who have never walked before, get up, and they just say, it's a great idea, and they get up, and they take up their mat, and they go home. Or people who have never seen before, you can just open their eyes. It's an amazing thing that Jesus can do. Um, And he's heard Jesus teach before, and this day, he's probably been listening to Jesus teach and waiting for a moment to interject into the story a question. Now Jesus was leaving and the day was late and he was running out of time. So uh, when Jesus gets up and sets out on a journey, it says the man ran up to him and then he knelt down before him. I don't know if you've ever seen anybody run and then complete stop and kneel. Probably not what happened this moment. This guy basically probably threw himself in the path of Jesus because the opportunity to ask this question was quickly uh, leaving. It was kind of like a baseball slide probably. But it says this man ran up and he knelt down before him. And it says when he knelt down before him, showing respect, he asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That's a really good question. That's a question today I think everybody on the planet would like the answer to. Right? Maybe there's some people that don't believe in eternal life. So maybe we can just kind of just amend the question some if there is eternal life what do I got to do to get it that's a good question right that's a question today all of us maybe want the answer to Um, and it's definitely a question this man wanted the answer to and he started off good teacher showing respect and then he asked Jesus hey what do I have to do to get eternal life or what do I have to do to get to heaven it's a good question Anybody with me, like, that's, that's a good question. Um, what do I have to do to get eternal life? What do I have to do to get to heaven? What, what's on the checklist today is really what he's wanting to know. Wouldn't it be great if we had a little checklist today? If you do this and this and this and this and this, that's how you get into heaven. Anybody would just take that? 
I could just pass those out at the door. If you could just uh, pray this many times a day and you just come to church this many times a week and then you just got to hold open this many doors and anybody take that, that'd be easy, right? There's certainty in the checklist and that's what the guy's looking for is some certainty. This is a religious guy. We're going to find out here in just a second. He keeps the law or tries to anyway, but he wants the checklist, God, I want to know how to get to heaven. I want to be sure I'm going there. There's nothing wrong with that. So let me know what I have to do to get to heaven. Now, I'm just going to suggest to you there's already a problem with this. And the problem with this is, A, he wants to know what he has to do. That's a religious system, by the way. If you're wondering today what you have to do to get to heaven, you're too religious to, <laughs> you're too religious to get there. Um, and B... He's not wondering how I'm going to go the extra mile. He's wondering how I'm going to do the bare minimum. That's the problem with the checklist system is the checklist system is not, God, I want to give you everything. God, I want more of you. God, I want to value you. God, I want to treasure you. God, I want everything you have for me. That's not the checklist system. The checklist system is, God, what's the minimum thing I got to do to get from here to there? How do I do the least amount to get into eternity? How can I invest the least in you to get from here to there? That's the checklist system. And can I just suggest to you today, most churches, maybe even us, live in the checklist system. Most Christians today live in the checklist system. It's just fact. It's fact, isn't it? What do I got to do to get to heaven? Well, the first thing on the checklist, what is it? I got to come down here and pray. And I say the sinner's prayer, right? By the way, if that was a thing, this would be a really good place to put it in the Bible, wouldn't it? What do I got to do to get to heaven? Well, repeat after me, brother. That'd be a good place to put that. <laughs> Jesus didn't do that, so that leads me to believe maybe that's not a real thing. But the first thing on our checklist is what? We got to say a prayer. I got to say a prayer. Ah, uh, there's an issue. What do we got to do? Well, we got, I got to go to church. Living in the checklist system. I got to go to church every time the doors are open, living in the checklist system. I got to go at least once a week. That's a checklist system. I got to go on Christmas and Easter. That's a checklist system. It doesn't matter how many days you put there. It's a checklist, right? Got to go to church. What do I have to do to get to heaven? I got to be good. That's a checklist system. I got to do all the good Christian things. I got to make sure that I blank, 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 right? That's, that's the checklist system. I gotta pray three times a day. I gotta you can put whatever you want there, can't you? I gotta make sure I give some money every once in a while. I gotta serve somewhere. That's the checklist system. Now I'm not saying any of those things are bad things. I don't believe that. I'm here this morning, right? Like church attendance, it's not a bad thing. It's not gonna get you to heaven. Praying a prayer, that's, that's not a bad thing. God talks about prayer. Jesus prays. That's not a bad thing. It can be the checklist system. It doesn't have to be. My journey with Jesus, I believe, started somewhere around a prayer. I would make the argument it started when I moved out of the chair. But there was a prayer involved for me. I don't have faith in that prayer. I'm not that good of a prayer. But it could be, right? It's not a bad thing in itself, but it can be. I don't believe giving money is a bad thing. We have lights, thank the Lord, today. We get to be inside. It's air-conditioned mostly. That's nice. That's nice. It's not a bad thing, but it can be. 
But I would suggest to you today that it's very possible to live in the church and to call yourself a Christian, maybe even to lead a church based on the checklist system. See, the checklist system is just a system clearly that says, God, what's the least I have to do to make it from here to there? And if your life is one that says, I'm making it, right? But not one that says, um, God, give me all that you have. Then maybe you're not so different from this man. So this man asks a question maybe that all of us are asking today. What, what, what's, what do I got to do? How many times do I got to go to church? How much do I have to read? Like, what really is reading the Bible? Is that like the verse of the day or is it like five chapters? You know? How much do I have to pray? Like, is it, do I have, how long do I have to pray? Like, do I have to, God, thank you for this food before the first bite or after the first bite or just skip it? Like, that can be the checklist system. And it's very possible to live and to lead in, in the checklist system. And if we're in the checklist system, this is the question that we're asking. God, what do I have to do? What's the minimum that I have to do to make it into heaven? Now, I love what Jesus does in 18. Um, Jesus does this a lot. Um, he totally ignores the question, doesn't he? And you know, here he says, he says, well, why do you call me good? You're like, Jesus, are we even having the same conversation right now? Like, I'm asking a very serious question. And Jesus has given him a very serious answer. I mean, it's laughable. The guy probably didn't really think it was that funny. But I think it's funny because um, Jesus has a good sense of humor. If you don't believe me, read the Bible. Um, and he says in 18, hold on, let's ignore the question for a minute. I'm going to get to the answer. But why do you call me good? Why do you call me good? See, in this, Jesus is about to answer the question. He doesn't even have to get to the question. It says, Jesus asked him, no one is good but one. And that one, right, is God. Why do you call me good? Let's just start here. What, what is your definition of good? Because what the guy's asking, right, is how can I be good enough to get to heaven? How can I be good enough to get to heaven? And what does Jesus say? Hold up. There's an issue with your question. What's your definition of good? Why do you, why do you call me good? See, Jesus here is not arguing that he is not good. He's simply pointing out the fact that the standard of good is God. Now, that's okay for Jesus because Jesus is very much God and he is very good. So Jesus could have been like, why do you call me good? No one is good but God, right? You see it. You're standing in front, right? He could have been doing that. But I think what Jesus was doing is your, your, your question is flawed. You're asking me how to be good enough to get to heaven and the standard of enough is God so you see your, your question's flawed your, your checklist is flawed because you cannot be God how can you be good enough to get to heaven well you have to be God are you God are you are you God are you are you God anybody in here that'd be amazing this morning but I'm doubting it. I'm not God. And Jesus is sharing with this guy the very real truth that you are, you are not God either. 
And your question's flawed. How can you be good enough to get to heaven? Well, the only way to be good enough to get to heaven is to be God, and you're not God, so your question's flawed. I don't even have to answer the rest. See, in reality today, God is the standard. If our, if our checklist is anything short of be God, then our checklist will never be enough to move us into heaven. See, the, the problem with a checklist-based religion and a checklist-based church is, is the checklist will never be good enough, right? How, how can I serve enough to elevate myself to the point of God? Is it a possibility today? See, I would say that you could serve every moment that you're alive for the next 80 years and you would never be God. How, how can I give enough to be God? Well, unless you have a son that is Jesus, then you don't have anything to give to be God. So you can give everything you have. You can donate your house. You can donate your car. You can donate your bank account. You can go to work every day and then just funnel all that money into giving and live on nothing, and you'll still never be God. How many times do you have to show up at church a week to be God? You can move in, and you will never be God, right? How many songs do you have to sing to be, to be God? And unless you're the one they're singing the songs about, then you never will be. How can you read enough to be God? You can't read enough to be God. You can know a lot about God from reading about him, but you'll never know enough to be him. So he says, your question's flawed. How can you be good enough to get to heaven? Well, you've got to be God. And if you're not God, then you're not good enough. Why, why do you call me good? What's your standard of good? If your standard of good is the preacher, then I'm sorry. Hey, set your sights higher. <laughs> but it's not going to get you to heaven. And then Jesus, because he knows, right? He just continues. You, you know the commandments, right? Let's, let's talk in a language you can understand today. Let's just do the checklist, right? None of us have a concept of who God is or how holy God is, so let's just do the checklist today. Um, here, here's the checklist. Do not murder. Can you imagine hearing this if you were that guy? Oh, great. That's all there is. I've never done that, right? Anybody with us today? <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love you if you did. <laughs> Jesus forgives. Um, <laughs> it says, do not murder. 99% of us are still good, right? If that's the one, check, amen, hallelujah, I'm going to heaven. Um, do not commit adultery. Uh, the percentage probably dropped. Let's be honest, there's a room full of people here. The percentage probably dropped, but it's not for this guy. If that's it, I'm in. Hallelujah, right? I'm on the checklist. I love the checklist. Do not steal. Okay. The percentage probably dropped some more, but I mean, this guy's still good because Jesus still has a list, right? Do not steal. Okay, I'm still headed towards heaven. Uh, don't bear fault, false witness. Don't tell lies about people. Uh, the, you, you know. Um, but for this guy, he's still good. Don't defraud. It's like just another way of kind of, don't cheat somebody. Um, and then honor your father and your mother. The whole front two rows just went out. <laughs> Just kidding. That was a joke for your parents. I love you guys. Um, but for real, right? Like he's he's like, well, I can't dishonor my father and my mother because they'll take me out of the will, and then I won't have any money. So he, he's good on every one of these things. And you can imagine as we're going down the checklist, he's feeling better and better about himself. That's what our checklist does to us, right? 
Oh, I go to church. Yes, I'm so good. I know all the songs. You don't get in my car. I've, every program channel in my car is Caleb. <laughs> One through six. All Caleb. I'm good. Come look at my bookshelf. It's all John Piper. <laughs> Louis Giglio. Bless laughs. You don't know who he is. Awesome. He's good. Look him up. Um, Charles Spurgeon. I know that one. Billy Graham. Every book in my shelf is about Jesus. I got all the Bible translations, right? Except the message. I'm good. I, right? That's what the checklist does. Is it, it makes us feel falsely secure. It makes us feel falsely good. But we're still not God. That's the problem with the checklist. Oh, I serve. That's great. If you serve to check off your checklist, quit. Because you're not God and you're not good. And it's never going to make you, it's inadequate. Serve because you love God, not because you're trying to be God. Oh, come to church. That's great. Hallelujah. Amen. If you come to check off the checklist, don't come anymore. Because you're not good. Right? I spend time at church and I'm horrible. The heart's deceptively wicked. It'll tell you you're good and you're still not good. And the heart loves the checklist. Because it's easy to lie in the checklist. So here's this guy feeling really great about himself. Right? I'm a Christian, capital C. I go to church. I know the songs. I bring the sacrifice. He probably, about this point in the story, is feeling kind of like God. Here's God and here's me. That's the checklist. God's just a little better. I'm right here on his heels. If you believe that, you don't know anything about God. My arm is not long enough to show the gulf. And it says this guy answers back to Jesus and he says, Teacher, still respecting him, I've kept all these from my youth. You can hear it, right? Oh, I've done that. Oh, yeah, I'm good, right? Like, I, is that it? Is that all you got? He probably even had like a little pause before he answered because he was expecting more to the list because that's not even all ten, right? That's just a couple. And, and he was like, man, I've done that. If that's it, I'm, I'm good. I'm easy street the rest of life. I'll just keep doing the thing, right? I'm just going to I'm gonna come to church, and I'm going to sing the songs, I'm, I'm going to just keep not adultering, and, and then I'm good. <laughs> and then he said that Jesus looked at him, and Jesus loved him. Now, some of us hear that if you've not been around church a whole long time, and you're like, well, of course Jesus loved him. He's a good guy. Right? He's easy to love. I mean, I mean he is, right? He's never, he's never murdered anybody. He's never committed adultery. He's never stole anything. I mean, he's rich. He doesn't need to. Uh, he, he's never borne false witness. He's never defrauded anybody. He's good to his parents. I mean, he's, he's a good guy by our standards. He's, he's a good guy. It'd be easy for God to love him. That's, that's where some of us hear that. And wouldn't that be great if that was the end of the story, right? Because what it would do is it would leave most of us in a, well, God's never going to love me. See, that's also what our checklist does. 
It makes us feel good and it deflates other people. That's why living in that falseness of the checklist is horrible. We need to be honest with the fact that we're not good people. You know why? Because sinners will know God saves sinners when we will admit that we are sinners. Sinners will know that God loves sinful people when we admit that we are sinful people. I'm flawed, I'm broken, and I will let you down and I will disappoint you, but God loves me. That, that's the flag of Christianity, not, I've never adulteried. <laughs> that's hideous, is what that is. I go to church all the time, who cares? Didn't change your heart. I know all the Christian songs, that's great. You don't act like you believe any of them. See, we used to live in a world that wouldn't call us on our, on our junk, but now we live in one that will just be very honest with us. You're hypocrites, and I'm not going to be around you. You know why? Because we say, I go to church. Instead of, I'm broken and a mess, but God loves me. See, I respect that. I will never respect, well, I go to church and I read the Bible, but I'm a horrible person. The checklist does that to us. Because the checklist makes us feel that we are good when we are not good at all. So Jesus looks at him and he, and he loves him, which is great. But the story doesn't end there. Jesus says to him, you lack one thing. Now let's be honest, there's 613 commandments and we got two, six of them. He lacks a lot of things. Jesus just read the list of things he was good at which is also what the checklist does to us. We like to pick out the things we don't do and tell other people how that makes us good. Most of us have about six things. And you hear that, and, and, and the checklist people in the room just went to, well, that doesn't sound very loving, Right? You lack one thing. Jesus looked at him, and he loved him, and then he was honest with him, and he says, but you... You're missing something. See, that's what love is. Love is honesty, and Jesus loves us enough to be honest with us. He's okay with the fact that we're broken and a mess and horrible and dirty and a disaster and sinners. He's okay with that, but he will never lie to us and tell us how good we are in that. Because you can't fix that, right? Oh, you're good, sweetie. You ever had that parent? Church people, they're notorious liars. You get up and you sing, and they're like, oh, that was so good. And you're like, dude, I sound like a whale. I know I sound like a whale. <laughs> you ever seen Finding Nemo? I'm Dory. <laughs> and they're like, but sweetie, that was so good. And you're like, you're lying. You were lying. I didn't know the words. I didn't know the chords. Oh, it was so good. And that, yeah. Jesus is not that kind of parent. Jesus is not a condemner. He's going to look at you and be like, you're an idiot. You messed it up. But he will say, brother, pick somewhere different than singing. <laughs> He'll do that. Joyful noise. That's for some people in the out there's, right? I want you to sing from there. Um, honesty is, is what Jesus is good at because he's the truth, right? And he loves us in our sin, but he loves us too much to leave us there. So what he does to this man in love is he's honest with him, and he says, hey, you, you're missing something, though. Here's what it is. The man probably wished he would have left right there because the checklist thing doesn't let you get here. And he said, go sell all that you have and give it to the poor. 
and you will have treasure in heaven. Come follow me. Now, can you imagine this, hearing this? So most, I'd say none of us have as much money as this guy has. He's called the rich young ruler, right? <laughs> He's got enough money that it gives him power. I don't have that. So maybe you do, but I don't, I don't know that any of us do. He's got some money. And Jesus looks at this guy with love and to him in love says, go sell everything. All you got, right? And he didn't say put it in your wallet. Go sell everything you got and bring it on into the church. He didn't say that. He said, go sell everything you got and just hand it out to the poor. Does anybody hear that? Let's, let's, you don't have to raise your hand, but let's just be at least honest with ourselves today. And you're like, that's a lot. Like if Jesus today to you said, you know what? You don't need a house. You don't need a car. If you got a shirt and a pair of pants, you're good. Let's go into the ministry together. Sell everything you got and give it to the poor. Would anybody just be like, for a moment, I don't know about that. Just be honest with yourself. You don't have to raise your hand, but be honest with yourself. Now let's be honest with ourselves when we hear it. When Jesus says this to this guy, is there anybody in the room? Again, you don't have to raise your hand who's like, that's harsh. That's a lot to ask. I can't believe Jesus would ask that of that guy because that's how he would feel maybe if he asked that of us. I can't believe, Jesus, you would just expect me to live outside. I can't believe, Jesus, you would just expect me to not have a car and to not have money. I can't believe you would just want me to have a shirt and a pair of pants. I cannot believe that. Some of us, maybe all of us, we would be appalled by that, right? Like, I can't, I can't believe Jesus would ask me to do that. That's where this guy's living. Because Jesus just looked at this guy who had seemingly probably everything to everybody in the town, and he said, go sell it all. And what he offers, maybe we look at this and because we're, we got the checklist, right? We feel good about ourselves, and it's not our story. We're like, man, that's so much, but is it? Like, if we're honest with ourselves again, you'll have treasure in heaven. Doesn't that sound like a cop-out? If we're honest. What does that look like, right? Like, what? <laughs> am I going to have a house bigger than that in heaven? And, and even if, like, I can't use it right now, so I'm sleeping outside right now so I can have a big old house in heaven. So I'm going to be poor. I can't even afford McDonald's, right? And, and, and right now, but in heaven, I'm going to eat steak. Is that what you're saying? Because I'm not there, and I can't see it, and I have no concept of what you mean when you say, go sell everything you got now, sell everything I have in the present, in hope that I'll have more in the future. What's that? What is that? Doesn't it sound like a cop-out? Go sell everything and give it to the poor, because in the future, in heaven... You'll have treasure. There's a man who has seemingly everything, and Jesus is saying, why don't you just give everything away? Because your everything's not worth nothing, to use proper English. And then in eternity, you'll have everything. Jesus gives this man this invitation to lay down the temporary 
and to take up the eternal. And he says, once you do that, then come follow me. Lay down everything. Give up everything. I'll take care of you in heaven. And come follow me. That's the invitation he gives this guy. Now I love this because what the question he started out with was, what must I do to inherit eternal life? How am I going to get from here into eternity? And Jesus right here says, give up everything and you'll have treasure in heaven, implying that he's going where? Into eternity. What must I do to have eternal life? Well, Jesus says, lay down your treasure and take up a different treasure and you'll have eternal life. And treasure will be in heaven And then he offers him this amazing thing. He says, come follow me. How many times have you heard that in this word? Right? How many people have got that specific invitation? He wouldn't just be like, oh yeah, be a church guy, right? Oh yeah, just just come on. You can sing the songs. Just put some money in the thing. Imagine what 10% of this guy a week would have looked like. Been good for the kingdom, right? But it wasn't good for him. Jesus said, "Come follow me." Let me let me list you some people that have heard that, right? Like Matthew, Peter, James, John. I know of like twelve people who these exact words have went out to, and this is number thirteen. Jesus wasn't being like, "Come be part of the crowd." He was being like, "Come be part of what God is doing." I'm on my way to the cross, right? I'm going there just a few chapters from now. Uh, but you can come and you can be with me. You, you can be part of I'm inviting you in right now to the story of God. I'm not asking you to step into the bare minimum of what God wants to do. I'm ax- asking you to step into the maximum of what God wants to do. But see, the reality of it is, is on the checklist, you're never going to get into that. You may get into church on the checklist. It's reality. You may, get into, you may get into heaven on the checklist, but you will never get into the fullness of what God has for you on the checklist because somebody who lives on the checklist will never ask this question, God, I want more. God, I want the maximum. God, I want everything you got right here, and I'm willing to give up. Here's the catch, and here's why we don't ask it. Everything I got. You know what church attendance requires? A couple less hours of sleep, maybe. Congratulations. Bare minimum. Oh, that God would die on the cross so that I could give up some sleep. Our sacrifices are equal now. You know what service, right? I'm going to greet. That's amazing. I'm going to preach. That's amazing. But it does not equal out the sacrifice of the cross. Quit waiting for a pat on the back from Jesus because you, whatever that is. Oh, I'd give 10%. Hallelujah. You give more, far more than statistically most Christians in America. It's around two, I think. 
that does not equal out the sacrifice of the cross. Studden. Oh, I listen to Caleb. Hallelujah. There's good stuff in there. Right? There's truth in those songs. And you, you, can, you can feed on that for a while. It'll remind you of who God is and what he does. And what a sacrifice that I would have to give up blank type of music to listen to music about the guy who died on the cross for me. What an equal. And when we add all those things up and we, I woke up early to read today and we put all that stuff in there, what we do is we feel really good about where we are, but where we are is not really that close to where Jesus is. Oh, I'm so good. I woke up at six this morning to read. Who cares? You're not good. You're tired and you read. Great. But you're not good. And the sacrifices are not the same. See, in reality, if we want to be closer to Jesus, we don't ask questions like, God, what do I have to do to get into eternity? We ask God deeper questions like, God, what do I have to do to get more of you? God, what do I have to do to experience the fullness of what you have for me? God, what do I have to do to see you more and to know you more and to experience you more? God, what do I have to do to feel you on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday? God, what do I have to do to know you more, to know your name, to know how you feel, to, to know what you think about me? God, what do I have to do to get there? That's not, that's not a checklist. That's, that's what we call a hunger and a thirst for God, right? It says in, in the Beatitudes, right? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Who is the definition of righteousness? Jesus. Why? Because they will be filled. It's a promise, right? If you are hungry for Jesus, Jesus will come, right? Like last week we read a, a promise, right? If you draw near to me, if you'll take a step in my direction, I'll take a step in your direction. You know why nobody's stepping? Because with every step, God's saying, what gold do you have for the dust today? See, if you're really going to treasure the treasure of heaven, you've got to release all the temporary things. And what I'm saying to you today is not go sell your house. But what I'm saying to you today, I think is what Jesus is saying to you today, is what's that thing you treasure more than me and why? Well, what, what in this temporary moment that's passing and dying, just like you are, do you hold on to with everything you have? Because when you realize that, when you realize what your treasure is, you can loosen your grip on your treasure. And until you loosen your grip on your treasure, you will never, ever, ever treasure the treasure of heaven. So Jesus looks at this guy and he says a very harsh thing in love. Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And then you can come and you can, you can be something in the story of God. You can, you, can, you can get into the story of God. You can witness things that you never thought you were going to witness. Or you can keep going to church. You pick. And keep listening to K-Love on all six channels. Or you can come and see what God will do. You pick. Jesus could have said, just come on, brother. And this guy could have spent the rest of his life walking near Jesus, but never walking with Jesus. 
See, I think that's what most of us settle for today, isn't it? I want to walk near Jesus. I want to be in the crowd around Jesus. I want to kind of know that Jesus is there, but I don't want to walk with you because walking with you means i got to walk towards sacrifice. See, Jesus walked to the cross. And that's why he looks at us and he says, hey, you want to follow me, take up your cross. You want to walk with me, you got, you got to lay stuff down. You want to walk with me, you got to take the things that you used to treasure and wrap your whole life around, you got to put them in the dust. Because when I'm your treasure, then you have treasure that goes beyond this temporary moment into eternity. It says in 22, but this man was stunned at this demand. And he went away grieving because he had many possessions. This man heard this and what did he do? He didn't say, okay, awesome, Jesus, here's everything. Let's go. He looked at it, heavenly treasure, whatever that is, or what I got today. And he kept what he had today. He walked in, God, how do I get to heaven? And he walked out thinking, well, I don't really guess I care that much. Because my house means more to me here than being there. You look, isn't that foolish? Really? Like if we're honest. It's dumb, isn't it? I'd rather be separated from God than give up my stuff. But we can kind of relate. Now Jesus being loving, let me just read you the rest of the story real quick, chased after him, changed his demands, Said, I didn't really mean that. Just pray this prayer and go to church and you'll be fine, right? Oh, wait, that's the wrong Bible. Um, It says in 23, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, who probably were looking like this. Why'd you let him walk away? He has so much money. He could have done so much in the kingdom of God and died lost forever. Because church people will change the demands on you so that you'll come. Problem is, I don't get the okay if you go to heaven or not. It says, Jesus looked around and he said to his disciples, How hard is it for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? You just go ahead and exchange wealth with treasure. Because all wealth ain't money. And says his disciples were astonished at his words. And then Jesus doubled down on it and he said, Children, how hard is it for, uh, or how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? He just took out the wealth part. It says it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And just put any person there because we all have treasure all of it doesn't shine and glitter and all of it's not found in the wallet but all of it's treasure it's looked silly for me to pull out a needle and a camel today wouldn't it thought about doing that camels are expensive and i thought i'd lose the needle um you can't do that i know some people are like well there was a gate called the eye of a needle and the camel whatever 
whatever. You dumb down what God's saying all you want. I think <laughs> what Jesus is saying is, man, it's impossible to squish that camel through that needle, isn't it, for you? It's impossible for your checklist to get you to heaven. It's impossible for you just to come to church enough to get to heaven. It'd be like squishing a camel through a needle. You can't do that. It's impossible for you to know enough songs that are Christian songs to to get to heaven. It'd be like squishing a camel through a needle, but it's not impossible with God. It's not. For anybody, right? Anybody in the room? Anybody not in the room? Anybody on any street, anybody in any city, anybody that has any background, anybody that has any history, right? It's all the same camel. It's all the same needle, and God's still the same God. And for you, you can't do it. You can't get your uh, heroin-addicted brother to heaven. But we have a God who can shove a camel through a hole in a needle, right? It's impossible for you to get your atheist friend to to heaven. You're, you're never going to be able to do that. But we have a God who can shove a camel through a hole in a needle. Like you can do that. And for some of us today, we just have to realize that God is God and God can do anything he wants to. And that means nobody is excluded today from heaven. Nobody's done too much. Nobody's too far. Nobody's wandered away far enough. Nobody's done anything too bad. Nobody's excluded from heaven. You can't get them there, but God can get them there. You're just going to make a mess. But our God is the God who can shove a camel through a hole in a needle. This is truth. But I think the bigger story today is, um, is that this man um, was willing to walk away from God. Because the thing that he valued was so valuable, he couldn't see the value in valuing God. So here's the question today, and... Again, I'm not looking for you to shout it out, but what is that thing that you treasure? Let me ask it this way. What is that thing that if God said, if you don't give that up, you can't have a piece of me, that you would just walk away from him for? What's that thing? Some of you, it is the money thing, right? Like if God said, oh, go sell everything you have and just give it to the poor and come follow me, you'd be like, peace out, God. But it doesn't have to be that. Some of you, it's like a relationship, a person. God's, I don't have that for you. Oh, I'm out then. It's not my best for you. Then I don't want you. I'll come to church. I don't think this guy quit coming to church. I don't think he quit following the law. I don't think he became a bad, horrible person. I don't think he went out into the world and lived it up. He was just like, I'd rather have my checklist than have the treasure of heaven. And God said, give up your money and you can have all of me. And he was like, I'll I'll never give up my money. And, And I'll just be honest with you. You have the right to do that today. And in love, I think you'll see Jesus going... I mean, I love you. But I can't offer you less today in hopes that you'll figure it out. Because all I have is more. Maybe, maybe it's your 
relationships, maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's your kids. You've wrapped your life around your kids. And if Jesus took them today, you'd just walk away. Maybe it's this friend, maybe it's this habit, maybe it's this sin. Can I, can I just say today that you're temporary and so are all those things and all those things are going to pass away one day and you're going to be left with a, a, a moth-eaten, rusted-up treasure that's not worth anything in the economy of eternity. Or today you can take the invitation of God to lay your gold in the dust. You don't have to have faith that God's better today. You just have to say, God, I want all of you there is. So today, I'm just going to begin the process. I'm, I'm going I'm to try to lay this down. I'm going to give it to you, and I'm going I'm to see what you'll do. And if you'll lay that down today, I just, know, I just want you to know today that God is going to meet you. God is going to meet you. I've been praying all week. God's challenged my life these past few weeks. I've been praying all week. I know, I know what my gold is. God, help me to lay down my gold so I can see you. God, help me to put my gold in the dust so I can take up real gold. Help me to lay my temporary treasure on the ground so I can have treasure in eternity. Let me rephrase that, so I can treasure the treasure of eternity. See, today, I don't want to spend the rest of my life asking questions about, God, how can I just make it in? I want to know, God, how can I see today all that you have for me? God, how can I hear today you beckon me to say, come and follow me. Come in close to me. Come near me. God, that's that's what I want to hear. That's what I want the soundtrack of my life to be is the more that God has, not the less of this world. And today I know that like there's a bunch of us that are like, I don't know if I want that. That's That's awesome. I love you. And I pray God changes everything about that. But today I know there's some people in here that are like me and you're like, man, I just want more of God. I just want more of God. I don't care what they think. See, pride is some of your treasure. I'll never go down there and pray because I don't want people to think something of me. And God's saying today, well, if you just lay that down, man, you could have, you could have more. And for, for a few of us today, I believe God's saying, you know what? I want you to lay your gold in the dust so God can be your gold. And if that's you today, I just want to ask you to pray.